0: Welcome to Dulles. We're a community of faith that embodies the love of Jesus for the good of our neighbor and renewal of our world. We're so glad you're
1: listening. Rudy Broplay walked into our church when we had a breakfast one morning down the hall here at the school. That's what we did. We gathered that morning to eat breakfast together, and he was like, "I'm looking for Dulles Church," and we're like, "Well, we're it." And he's like, "This is you guys." We're like, "We're doing church with breakfast this morning." And he sat down and we chatted. And then had coffee, and have really developed a friendship. And uh, Rudy has become part of our teaching team here, so we'll be hearing from him, you know, every few months or so. Rudy has been cheering on this series that we've been doing this summer, and I'm telling you, he's the real deal. When he has a challenging week, he'll tell you, "I'm having a challenging week," or um, "I'm trying to move closer to God in this area," and he just keeps it real. And so I know what he's going to say this morning comes from a place of his deep desire to know God better and to encourage others to know him better. And so whether you've met Rudy or not or how well you know him, I, I just want you to know this is my perspective. He, comes from a, he speaks from a very sincere place of wanting to know Jesus better. And so I just thought that is probably the best introduction to rudy so everybody really cheer on rudy this morning and welcome him
0: thanks brad almost made me tear up before i got up here it's very very kind of you to say i'm very grateful um to be able to share uh, the message with you today the message i feel like god has put on my heart um and thank you brad of course for trusting me to do so and uh yeah let's i'll pray and and then, then we'll get right into it god i uh just coming to you today saying thank you, Lord. Thank you for our church community. Thank you um, that we get to be in relationship with you, that you speak to us, and you want us to know your heart. And and Lord, I pray that as I share the message that you put on my heart today, that it touches someone and, and that it's you know we find it helpful and we walk out of here better than we walked in. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we've been in this series called Practice Makes Better, and we've been learning about different practices or spiritual disciplines that help us draw closer to God, right? To be image bearers and to become who God has created us to be. But not only does it do that, but these practices are also designed to help us thrive Um, because we believe that the way that Jesus has called us to live is actually the optimal way to live, right? The the best way and the healthiest way to live. Um, So, The goal in this series, and I've said this before in our midweek group, that if for some reason you can't come to church, you know, for for some reason, maybe you're overseas doing missions in a place where there's religious restriction, or maybe, I don't know, you're in Alaska on a work trip and there's no faith community for whatever reason, if for some reason you can't come to church, if you engage in these practices, you can still have a healthy, vibrant, fulfilling relationship with God. And church is so important, and it's a great place to Grow your relationship with God, and it's so necessary. We see it all throughout the Bible. How much, how how important the church is, and the emphasis on that. But if your goal is to have a rich and thriving relationship with God, if the totality of your spiritual pursuit is just Sunday attendance, well, you may not find what you are what you're what you're looking for. I mean, uh, you know, because once a week for an hour—that's visitation. But the Bible calls us to to walk with Jesus, to take his yoke upon us, uh, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light, to learn his unforced rhythms of grace. And, uh, you know, just if you just imagine it, even in a relational context, if, you're, if your spouse, it, if your relational rhythm with your spouse is it, once a week for an hour, hey, babe, you know, love you, you know, things are going well, made all these decisions, all right, see you same time next week, well, in a few weeks, you'll probably be divorced. So, um, you know, we, we just, we just want to have a legitimate pursuit and relationship with God. So that's what we're striving for uh, at Dulles. And today, my assignment, I'm on a strict assignment from Pastor Bradford Russell uh, in the Holy Spirit to share something that I've struggled with in, in my time, in my walk with God, and try to provide some so- solutions. So today... Uh, You know, the message will really be from uh, my personal life experience and personal walk in time with God, and uh, my my prayer is that that is helpful to you. So a few years ago, I picked up a book that changed my life. Um, The book was about the brain and how to improve memory, cognition, and focus— And the main reason that I picked up this book is because at the time, my sole goal was to be sure that I was the smartest of my five siblings. See, you (laughs) you gotta understand, you know, when you're the youngest of five, you grow up your entire life not winning a single argument. And after a while, it starts to get to you. So I was so ready to get into this book, right? To go through any cognitive exercise that it put me through, like, what do I gotta do? Do I gotta start reading academic research papers, right? Do I gotta start playing Sudoku, like, you know, what is it? Do I have to, like, do meditation or focus exercises? But as I began reading the book, I realized that it wasn't what I imagined it to be. What it would instruct me to do had nothing to do with what I thought. It actually emphasized things like uh, fitness, nutrition, sleep, relationships, spirituality. And at the time, I'm like, well, what does this have to do with, you know, with the brain? It's actually, I picked up this book to be a better thinker, but as I began to read this book and understand the basis of the research, um, I really started to embrace the concept, but not only because of the research, because I thought about it, well, at least if I take it down to the simplest level, your brain is connected to your body, so it makes sense that what you do with your body would affect your brain. See, I realize becoming a better thinker actually isn't isolated, but it's all connected. And I believe the same is true with our spiritual lives. Um, I think that we could be engaging in some of these practices that we've talked about throughout the summer. But if a few key areas of our lives are neglected, then the richness of our relationship with God is compromised. See, uh, I... I've had times in my life where I really can feel God. Like I can hear God speaking to me. I know when he's placed something or someone on my heart, um, you know, I can feel his direction. I feel guided. And then I've had times that have been the complete opposite where I can't feel God or or, or hear God and I don't feel guided and <laughs> I don't feel like he's putting anything on my heart. And, and uh, a lot of the times, the solution to that is some of the things that we've talked about, right? The practice, you know, we've talked about prayer and reading scripture and, being with godly community a lot of times that can fix it but there are also many times where i find myself engaging in these practices and these rhythms and and i still can't seem to connect like maybe i'll pray but it's hard for me to stay in prayer because i don't feel the presence of god as i'm praying right or or maybe i'll read scripture and it doesn't feel like it's relating to me or it's not or it's not connecting or maybe i'm with community and it's great people but to gather with my community feels more like a chore than it does life-giving, and it can be disorienting and, and discouraging. So today, what I want to do is touch on a few areas of our life that I believe can help us experience God more on a day-to-day basis. And these aren't practices, but they directly affect the practices. Um, so I believe that they'll be, they'll be helpful to us today. So the first thing is our heart posture, our heart Posture. So I put a definition of heart posture up just so we all can understand the context we're speaking from. So it's a perspective that puts us in the best position to connect with God. The perspective that puts us in the best position to connect with God. Um, so the first scripture I want to draw from today is Luke 8, 4 through 8. And it's the parable of this. So it's a very famous scripture. And I love it. It's so powerful. Um, so we're, so we're going to read through that. So starting at verse four, it says, when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went to sow his seed and he sowed. Some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it and some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture and some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear." So I love this text because in this text, um, it's clear that it wasn't about the seed that was being sown, but it was about the soil that was being sown in. So it wasn't about the message or the messenger, but about the other person on the other side receiving the message. Another part of this text that's so interesting to me, and I'm not sure about this, I'm not positive, but I think that most of the people there who were, as Jesus was speaking, had ears on their head. But in the text we see, for, you know, it says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I don't think, I think we're all clear that it's not about the ears at all. It's not even really about if they were listening or not, but it's about if they received what Jesus had to say. So it leads me to ask, church, how is the soil of our hearts? Do you have ears to hear? Like when we read scripture, are we observing or are we internalizing, right? When we pray, are we checking a box or are we longing for a word from God? See, the truth is wanting to hear from God is actually not wanting to know what the Bible says or, or wanting our request answered in prayer. Uh, there are people who don't believe in God who are interested in that, but wanting to hear from God is about receptivity, internalization right? God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to think and live? So before we even pray or read scripture or even gather with our community, we have to make sure that our hearts are in this place. Um, So I want to go to another scripture. It's Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, and this is the Apostle Paul writing um, to a church, and he's really kind of reprimanding them, but it's a beautiful uh, text to, to point us to what our life with God should look like. Um, So we're going to read from that today, and then I'm going to unpack some of the key themes that I see here. So scripture says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So I want to try to answer the question, okay, how do we make sure our hearts are postured correctly? How do we make sure that we're receiving what God uh, is trying to say to us through prayer and scripture, what God is trying to show us through community? How do we position ourselves to be receptive? So I think this text has a lot to to teach us about that. So I want to go through it slowly, if you can put it back up on the screen so we can all look at it. Um, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, now the word Lord means master or ruler, right? Someone who has authority over your life. So if you received Christ Jesus as Lord, then that means you trust him, right? So that shows trust to me. And then continuing on the scripture, it says, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. So to me, that shows internalization. So the first thing in becoming receptive is trust, and the next is internalization. You're rooted in him. You're strengthened by the faith as you were taught. And then... The next part of the scripture says, and overflowing with thankfulness. So as a result of internalizing our relationship with God and everything that that God is doing in our lives, we overflow with thankfulness, right? So that's gratitude. So the three aspects I see in this text that we can learn from on how to be receptive are trust, internalization, and gratitude. So let's talk through each one. The first one is trust. So in order to receive something, you first you have to trust the giver. Right? You have to believe that God is trustworthy, that He wants to be in relationship with you, that He wants to speak to you, that He wants to reveal Himself to you in a new way, and that He has good for you even when you don't see it. So there has to be deep trust in the relationship. And the next is internalization. You want to take it to heart. Um, you know, don't just listen to hear, but listen to understand and apply. When we hear, when we hear, uh, when we read scripture, we don't just read to try to understand. We we try to understand what is the reality of the scripture in my life, right? Like, what, what, how does this apply? Even in messages, right? When, we're speak, when we hear people speak, it's, we shouldn't be asking the question, oh, how intellectually stimulated am I by this message? Or, or how entertained am I? But it should be, what is the reality of this message in my life, right? How, how, how do we internalize what God is, is, is trying to say? What is, what is the Holy Spirit saying in your heart? So the first is trust, the second internalization, and, and lastly is gratitude. Being thankful is a sign of, of receptivity, right? Some of us need to be thankful and allow God to love us, right? To be grateful for his principles and directions, to feel honored that we get to be in relationship to, with him and, and come to his throne in prayer. And I know that many of us struggle with this one because we even struggle to accept compliments, <laughs> right? Somebody will try to compliment us, and, you know, we'll deflect or self-deprecate. We'll say, oh, yeah, no, it's no big deal, or, you know, anyone could do that, or, or maybe <laughs> someone will try to do something for us and serve us, and, uh, you know, we'll say, oh, you know, oh, you, oh, you didn't have to do that, right? And it's me. I'm guilty of this, right? But next time someone says that to me, like, you know, you didn't have to do that, I'll say, okay, next time I won't, right? And <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm kidding, but, I do think it's important, and this is another thing that I think is important about, about um, receptivity, um, and it's not necessarily directly related to my message, but, but, it, but it's really critical, so I want to touch on it here. I think it's important that we learn how to receive because it's the only way that we can effectively live a life of generosity. See, the Bible says that God gives seed to the sower, and the Bible says that when you sow, you can re- Expect a harvest. All throughout the Bible, the principles of reaping and sowing, sowing and reaping are, are evident. So actually, when someone is trying to do something for us or give something to us or encourage us, we should actually see it as God blessing us and honoring his promise and commitment, right? Um, and, and what happens is a lot of people who are natural givers are people who really love to give and struggle to receive, they will feel frustrated and used as a result. And what happens there is that it then hampers your longing and your and your desire to be continue being generous because we aren't receiving what God is trying to give us. So this is this is really important. So next time someone tries to give give you a compliment, I want you to trust what they're saying is true, internalize what they're saying, and respond in gratitude. And it's the same as our relationship with God. When we go to God, we should trust that. What, what, the, what the scriptures say are true, that he wants to be in relationship with us, that he loves us. We should internalize what God is saying to us in that moment through prayer, through our community, through, uh, through the scriptures, and then we should respond in gratitude and live from a grateful place and overflowing with thankfulness that we get to do life with God. So that's the first thing is our, is our heart posture. The next area of, life that, area of our life that I want to talk about is our thought life, our thought life. So our thought life is what we think about, which enables us to see God, what we think about, which enables us to see God. So we're going to think about the things that we think about today. Um, I want to go to Philippians 4, 8 through 9, another famous scripture that I think is so, so powerful. The Apostle Paul writing from prison, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, I love the scripture because there are two words that really stand out to me here, think and practice, right? The two are paired together for a reason think and practice. So, I don't know, if, you, if, you ever, uh, met a, um, if you've ever met an elite athlete or a, um, maybe an exceptional mom or a successful entrepreneur, they're not good at what they do only because they're constantly practicing it. That's a big part. But they're also great at what they do because when they're not practicing, they're also constantly thinking about it. And because they think about it so often, When they pair that with practice, the reality begins to show up in their lives. So I think we as followers of Jesus should do this at the highest level, right? Because not only does it bring us closer to God, but it's also the healthiest way to live. And um, unfortunately, because of our nature, because of our sin nature, because of of the world that we lived in, we don't tend to drift towards spiritual health. So we have to be intentional about cultivating it, right? And the danger of not managing your, your thought life is that you can end up with corrupt desires that are contrary to the will of God in your life. You can struggle with things like criticism, pessimism, and cynicism. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Let's just take this the, the habit of criticism, which I believe leads to the spirit of cynicism. You know, um, one of my good friends recently was telling me about how he loves the videos on social media. These videos have gotten really popular where people go out and they give money, large amounts of money to random strangers. And he was saying that he loves his videos, but he would be frustrated because when he would go in the comments, people will be saying things like, well, why, why did you have to record it? Why couldn't you just give them that in private, right? Like, like, what's the point of doing this? See, the people in the comments, what they were doing is they were immediately assuming that the person who was recording this and posting it had, had ill intentions or had selfish intentions instead of choosing to believe that this person recognizes that there's enough negative media in the world, so they want to inject some positive media, and they continue to post and grow their page so they can crowdfund and get sponsorships so they can keep blessing people. What I'm trying to get you to see here is that two different perspectives looking at the same thing, but one completely missed the move of God because they failed to manage their thought life, the spirit of criticism. The habit of criticism often leads to the spirit of cynicism, which creates a doubting heart. So how does that play out in our relationship with God? Well, you know, maybe we read our scriptures in the morning and there's a scripture or a verse or some words that resonate with us. And then we go out and we overhear it in conversation or we see it, you know, on a bumper sticker or or on social media. And, And if we have the spirit of cynicism, we may believe, well, that's a common scripture. You know, it's probably not God speaking to me or, you know, it, that, that happens all the time. You know, the Bible app and social media are connected, so they're sharing my data. That's why the scripture showed up. Instead of asking the question, man, what is God saying to me right now? How is God speaking to me? Look at him trying to get my intention. So it's really critical that we manage our thought life. So, so how do we do that, right? How do we manage our thought lives? Well, we have to be intentional about focus. So I want to get practical today and try to give us some tools. And when I say focus, I don't mean focus, you know, during our time with God and prayer and scripture. I could talk about that for a long time. It's something I have to work really hard at, but that's not necessarily what I mean. I mean, focus in life, right? Directing our attention in life. I think focus in this context is orienting your life to be sure that we can hear and see God. So... What does that look like practically? Well, I first, I think the first thing is, is limiting distractions, right? Um, so what's a distraction? Well, whatever doesn't fall into that category and what we, what we read in Philippians 4, good, lovely, praiseworthy, that's a, that's a distraction. So what does that mean? Well, maybe that means you can't have a constant stream of news in your life, right? Because negativity sells. Or well, what does that mean? Or maybe we need to distance ourselves from certain individuals who, who constantly gossip and criticize, maybe we have to reconsider shows we watch, content we take in, music we listen to, right? Because a quote I love, it says, your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, right? So we want to make sure that we're influencing our thoughts with with healthy inputs to move closer to what God would have us, um, to who God would have us to be. So what do we do? We limit distractions, and then we develop healthy inputs, so maybe, you know, that's podcasts that are focused on spiritual growth and, um, or a healthy subject or reading scripture or being around friends who speak life or renewing your mind with truth. You know, um, the Bible talks about this. And sometimes you have to find a scripture that you can constantly say over yourself to remind yourself about the truth of God's word and, who he's, and what he says about you. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier. There's a negative connotation to, you know, the word brainwashing. But if you ask me, my brain needs washing, <laughs> because who knows what will roll around in there if I just let it be on its own, right? I have to continually inject positive inputs into, into my thought life so I, I can make sure that I, that I have a healthy view of the world. Uh, and another form of focus is fasting. I love fasting because it's just me saying, God, I know that I have physical needs, but right now, my focus are my spiritual needs, right? So I'm streamlining my attention to the activity of God. Um, coming to church is a part of focus. So shout out to y'all for being here, right? <laughs> coming to church is a part of focus. Um, you know, just having a weekly recentering. Sometimes, you know, twice a week if you come to a midweek group, of uh, recentering to, to really focus on the things that really matter, um, I don't know if you guys know, but I I'm not on staff here. I don't like I just someone who loves being here and, and I love church and I see the value in it. And I always tell people, you know, I don't go to church because because I have to. I go to church because I drift, right? And you know, who knows if I didn't have a weekly recentering or even twice a week recentering where I can come together with believers and be encouraged and be strengthened, who knows? I you know I might have drifted all the way to Vegas by now, you know what I mean? So <laughs> It's so important that we come together as believers as a part of focusing our minds um, to what God would have us see and, and, and experience in the world. Um, and then the last area of our life that I want to address today is our lifestyle. Right? Our lifestyle, the style in which we live life. Um, so a way that I would describe this is our decisions and habits, and that's how we honor God. And we're actually inviting him into into our lives when we honor God with our lifestyle. So I I believe that if we get our hearts postured correctly, if we manage our thought life and we engage in these practices that we've talked about all summer, it creates a change in lifestyle. And now it's in that order, I want to be clear, because we don't change our lifestyle before our hearts and thoughts change because that's religion, right? But the way that God works is he changes us from the inside out, right? And as our hearts transform, our lifestyle changes, and we draw closer to him, and, and we begin to honor God with our lives. And what begins to happen is um, we become encouraged about what God is doing in our lives and on our lives. So in our lives, we're always encouraged about how God is showing up in our lives, right? And our faith is strengthened. And on our lives, so other people become encouraged about what God is doing in our lives and that they may believe, right? So, so our lifestyle begins to change when we begin to embrace these practices, and we begin to manage these areas in our lives. So I want to go to one last scripture from uh, Colossians again. It's chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. And it says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now I want to pause here, and I want to say the wrath of God is coming because God, God hates when we self destruct. Now, if God is truly just, then he hates evil. So, as we begin to engage in these things that actually decreate us, God becomes angry because he wants the best for us, right? Uh, so, let's go on in the scripture. It says, You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, all of these things, they steal the favor of God from our lives and the reality of God on our lives. And so do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, right, there's that word again, and you have put in the new self who God is transforming us into, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator, So I love this scripture um, because I think it's a clear picture of what we begin to get away from as God begins to transform us from the inside and what our spirit longs towards to to wholeness, to completion in Christ. Um, And I think it's it's a powerful picture of how we can honor God with our lives. Um, So y'all, I'm so encouraged about what God will do if we take these seriously, if we take the practices we were talking about this summer seriously and also these key areas of our lives. Um, So not only if we practice, but also if we look at, if we adjust our heart posture, if we manage our thought life and as a result, develop a God honoring lifestyle. So um, I just wanna pray today um, and, and pray that maybe you look, into your life and your day-to-day and your week, say how can I how can I adjust my heart posture? Do I need to come into my time with God um, from a more receptive place? And how can I clean up my thought life? Right? What do I need to do to make sure that not only I'm healthy, <laughs> but also I'm positioning myself to see God move in the world, in my community, um, in my personal life, in the in the lives of others, and. Uh, and, and then begin to strive towards a God-honoring lifestyle as a result of the work that Christ is doing in us. So, so let's pray. God, I, I want to thank you um, today for the word um, that, that you put on my heart. And Lord, I pray that that we take it to heart, Lord, that you help us to continue to honor you in our lives, continue to grow closer to you, um, to love those around us and be image bearers in, in who you've called us to be. Um, So I thank you, Lord. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.